You are now listening to One Hour School Life, the official sports podcast of Pin Oak Middle School. All right, welcome into another episode of One Hour School Wide. This is your host, Mr. Mertz. Have another special segment coming up for you after this segment this week, um, featuring Miss Gina Taylor and Miss Allison Burns of Pin Oak Cheer. And they are being interviewed by our friends of Hoops and Hits, and they're going to give you some insights into Pin Oak Cheerleading. So stick around for that interview coming up after this. Big news today. Um, this is Friday, uh, March 26th. <clears throat> March 26th, excuse me. Um, big news that we're going to talk about today. Um, it is not Shaka Smart leaving Texas for Marquette and the impending coaching carousel of college basketball, Big 12 basketball that's about to happen. Our big news today is the faculty versus eighth grade girls volleyball game that happened during office hours today. First thing I want to say is congratulations to the eighth grade girls on the win. Um, Was it a collapse or a comeback? That will be debated for years in the hallways of Pin Oak. But there was also some questionable calls that went against the teachers that might be debated in the halls for maybe a couple days. We'll see. But I do want to say congrats to the eighth grade girls volleyball team for taking down um, the teachers today. Um, I was one of the members of the teachers and uh, my hands hurt, my legs hurt. Um, the game started off well for the teachers. I think they won the first set. Is it called sets or games in, in volleyball? I'm not sure, but we won the first set 20, I think it was 25 to 10, 12, something. It was pretty dominating. And then the second set, um, teachers were up 18 to 10, something like that. Pretty comfortable. And then once this is what we debated, was it a comeback or was it a collapse? Um, We'll see uh, what history tells us on this one, but um, eighth grade girls made a comeback, forced a deciding five minute set at the end of the day, at the end of school day, at the end of the school day. And um, they were able to pull out that last set as the buzzer went off eight to six, I believe. And, or maybe it was seven to five and they won the final set and defeated the faculty. Um, Got some good players on the uh, eighth grade volleyball team. Um, some pretty impressive uh, volleys and returns and um, serves coming. Some of them came my way today, and uh, some were a little too hot to handle. So uh, nice job, eighth grade girls. Um, congratulations on the win. Um, I'm not happy about it, but that's okay. Um, I'm sure other players of the faculty, um, uh, you know, I'm sure they're we'll get, we'll get over it, but, you know. Some of us are pretty competitive, but uh, y'all y'all brought that smoke today, and uh, so congrats. And I know that I was uh, um, running my mouth a little bit, it, it, you know, in a, in a playful way that uh, the faculty would win, and uh, I felt pretty good about my prediction after that first set. But uh, about middle of that second set, like I said, uh, something changed. So um, it is what it is. 
we'll see uh, if there's a basketball faculty basketball game this year. Um, the way I feel today after the volleyball game, uh, who knows? I don't know if I'll be able to make it through <laughs> the basketball game. Uh, so we'll see what happens in that one. Um, starting to starting to feel it in my knees these days. I'm not as uh, don't have the hops that I used to have when I first started teaching at Pin Oak um, back in 2012. So. It was fun though. I, I want to say that it was fun and it was, uh, it was good to do something that felt, uh, felt normal, felt something that felt, um, you know, something, that, you know, a, a tradition that we, that we've done into school and, um, something that's, uh, you know, that we'll continue to do. And, uh, it was good to not think about, um, you know, COVID and do something that we're used to doing and, getting to hang out and kind of compete for something for first time in a while. Uh, it was, it was good. So thank you. Um, I'm thankful for that. Okay. Um, let's jump into now, I guess some, some stories of the week, I guess we should talk about college basketball and the NCAA tournament. Um, I mean, my bracket was pretty much busted. I'm not completely busted, but it, it was struggling after that Ohio State loss in the first round, and then Texas in the first round got beat. Also, Loyola Chicago is on one another another uh, another one of their Cinderella runs. So, you know, picking the tournament is just—I mean, I think you have a better chance of getting struck by lightning than uh, picking the tournament correct. So, but it's been fun. Um, I think a lot of people are realizing how much they missed it last year. I know I missed it last year um, when it got canceled due to COVID. It was kind of the beginning of the pandemic and, you know, didn't really understand the virus yet. Um, you know, we still have a lot to learn on the virus still, but, um, you know, didn't really know what it was then. So they had to cancel the tournament. And um, so it's, it had been, you know, over, I mean, what, two years since, since we had had the NCAA basketball tournament. So, it was fun watching it. I've watched most of the games and I usually, you know, last few years, I haven't watched most of the games, made a bracket. I've made, I usually always make a bracket, but um, it, it's been fun watching the games. The games have been good. A lot of them have been close. There's been upsets. There's been close calls of upsets. Um, you know, my favorite team, the Oklahoma Sooners, they had a good win in the first round against Missouri and then ended up getting knocked out in the second round versus the number one overall seed Gonzaga. I thought I thought Sooners played pretty well. I thought they played tough against Gonzaga, but you know Gonzaga's is really good. Um, I had them picked to win the national title in my bracket, and then you know I kind of started listening to stuff about there hasn't been an undefeated team since I think Indiana in like 1972 or something. So I changed my pick um, to Michigan, and uh, the way the Big Ten's been playing, I wish I would have kept my pick <laughs> Gonzaga because. Uh, the Big Ten and the Big Twelve have been struggling, and uh, for two conferences that were kind of billed as probably the two best conferences in the nation, um, Pac-12 is playing really well. Um, I don't know what conference Loyola Chicago's in, but you know they're they're carrying the banner for that one. We'll see what happens this week in the Sweet Sixteen, and then um, games for the Elite Eight on uh, Sweet Sixteen is Saturday, Sunday. Elite Eight is Monday and Tuesday, so. Still have, I think, three of my four Final Four teams are alive. So I still got a chance to uh, a chance to to win my bracket in my uh, group on ESPN with with my friends and uh, with fellow members of One Hour School Wide. But I don't feel real confident about it. Um, but like I said, the tournament has been fun. Um, I just you know 
those two days of, of games starting at like 11.15 and ending at 11.15 at night is, is you know, nonstop and just awesome. And the tournament has not disappointed. And um, I'm kind of a fan of the way they did it with, um, you know, I know it's all in the state of Indiana and it's all close by all around Indianapolis, but um, it, it feels normal. It, it, you know, there's a few fans in the stands. You'd like to see more fans, but watching it on TV, it doesn't feel much different than, than any other year watching it. Um, I guess we can go to the coaching carousel now that's about to happen with the Big 12. Uh, so Juan Kruger, uh, the head coach at Oklahoma, retired yesterday. Um, and now today, Shaka Smart has decided to leave Texas to go to Marquette. And uh, rumor is that maybe Chris Beard from Texas Tech will take the job at Texas, which then would leave Texas Tech job open. Oklahoma is open. Rumors are flying that uh, Scott Drew of Baylor might take the Indiana job. So then that job might open and it might just be a domino effect of uh, coaching, coaching's, uh, coaches getting hired in the Big 12. Um, rumors for OU getting hired, uh, hires are, um, I've heard uh, Mark Turgeon of Maryland is a candidate. Uh, Kelvin Sampson's son, I can't think of his first name, but he's an assistant coach at the University of Houston and a former player at OU. Um, and I can't, who else was a, was I? Did I hear? Um, I'm not sure. Uh, who would I like to see hired at OU? I, I mean, I'd kind of like to see the Loyola Chicago guy get hired. Um, I don't know. I don't know what um, uh, Joe Castiglione, the athletic director at OU, is going to want to hire. If he's going to want to hire a younger guy, um, you know, somebody that's you know, maybe in their 40s, as, as opposed to somebody that may be in their middle, upper 50s, maybe even early 60s. Um, We'll see. Uh, you know, I, I don't understand why uh, Shaka Smart would leave Texas to go to Marquette. That's not, that doesn't seem like a lateral move. It seems like a step down to leave Texas to, for Marquette. Uh, Marquette's definitely not um, on the level of Texas as far as resources and, and probably prestige of, of this the, the program. But he's he's on his way out as of today. Um so probably, and, you know, I'm just kind of still in this argument from, from a radio station I listened to in Oklahoma, but, um, you know, Oklahoma and Texas, those are probably the second and third best basketball jobs in the Big 12. So I don't expect them, either one of them, to hire just, you know, somebody we've never heard of before. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see who, who they're going to hire and uh, what that means for, for the pro both of those programs going forward, especially Oklahoma. Um Oklahoma is probably going to lose some seniors this year. And we've already, I think, um, Davion Harmon, who's a, I think he's a junior, has decided to declare for the draft. So it doesn't look like it's going to be a, it looks like it's going to be a total rebuilding year for Oklahoma uh, next year, going into with a new coach and a whole bunch of players, new players. So um, I think Texas will probably be in the same boat where they're going to lose a lot of guys too, um, due to, you know, transfers and, you know, graduation and those types of things. So. I don't know. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm anxiously waiting to see who um, OU will hire. I think Joe Castiglione, you know, he, he hired Bob Stoops. He hired Juan Kruger. Um, so I, I trust in his hires, and um, I think he'll do a good job and, and pick a good coach. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a little different than college football, you know, college basketball, especially for OU, because, you know, OU's basketball team is definitely not on the level of OU's football team. So 
where where will they look for their next head coach? Okay, and uh, let's see. Just to wrap things up, um, I usually I have been talking about uh, English Premier League in a little bit in my segment, but they are on a break for the international break, where uh, players are playing in international uh, games for um, friendlies and maybe even some like Olympic qualifying right now. So EPL is kind of off for a couple weeks. Um, USA USA soccer team men's team played. Well, there's two teams that are playing right now. There's an under-23 team that's playing for uh, qualifying for the Olympics, and then there's the uh, regular national team that is playing friendlies. And they beat – that the regular team beat Jamaica 4-1 yesterday. For some reason, they played that game in, like, Austria. I'm not really sure why it was played in Austria. Um, the under-23 team lost 1-0 versus Mexico, but they're, they're the top two teams in that uh, group. So I think they're going to end up probably playing again, and I'm not sure if – Whoever wins goes, if the top two teams go to the Olympics or one, I'm assuming it's only one of those teams will go qualify for the Olympics, but we'll see what happens as far as that goes. Um, Also a big USA soccer fan, so I'll try to keep you in the loop on that. And, um, oh, last but not least, uh, Dynamo schedule. Uh, The Dynamo's full season schedule has uh, been released as of yesterday. I think there's 38 games, so what to look forward to um, starting middle of April, and then it doesn't end until, like, November. So <laughs> I guess that's the length of the season usually, but it feels like it's a long season. But, you know, uh, usually games are only, you know, every Saturday or Sunday. Maybe there's a Wednesday in there somewhere. Um, when we get a little closer to the Dynamo season, um, I will try to uh, go through the schedule and maybe try to handicap Um what the Dynamo's win-loss draw total should be for the year. Um, it might be a little hard to do, though. Dynamo have a lot of new players, and, you know, based on last year's performance, I don't know. It'd be really easy just to pick every game for the Dynamo as a draw or a loss, so I'm not sure which ones are going to be wins. I know there will be some wins in there. Um, I don't know how many. Might need to look, uh, watch a couple of the first couple of games of the MLS season to make an accurate pick, but... Um, We'll get to that um, in the future. Okay, uh, coming up is the interview with uh, Miss Taylor, Miss Burns of Pen Oak Cheerleading. And I thank you for listening. And here we go. Hi, welcome back to Hoops and Hits. Today we'll be interviewing Coach Burns and Coach Taylor. So guys, tell me about yourself. What sport do you guys coach? So we are co-sponsors of the Pin Oak Charger Cheer Team. Okay, that's pretty cool. How long have y'all been coaching the sport? And did you guys play this as a kid? Well, I started coaching the Pin Oak uh, Charger Cheer Team. This is Coach Taylor about five years ago. And, um, you know, what's really funny is I never made a cheerleader team. I tried out in middle school and I tried out in high school and I never made it. So I found another interest. Um, I joined the dance teams. But then later in life, I thought, how much fun would it be to work with cheerleaders? So when the job came up at Pin Oak, I applied and I've been I've been loving it ever since. 
And I've joined a little bit later. This is my third year coaching at Pin Oak. Uh, and I was never a cheerleader either. Um, I'm actually the oldest of four girls and all three of my younger sisters were cheerleaders. So growing up, I spent lots of weekends at their cheer competitions. So that's how I learned the sport and became very familiar with it, even though I wasn't a cheerleader myself. So both of you were really, both of you were really familiar with cheer. Yes, yes. For me, I was familiar through my daughter. She was a cheerleader in middle school and high school. And I volunteered with her cheer team. So when Pin Oak needed a cheer sponsor, it was just kind of a natural fit for some uh, volunteer experience I had. That's really interesting. What is the best part about coaching cheer? I think the best part about coaching cheer is running through, you know, having the team do a cheer and it just ending in unison. You know, it just, it almost gives me chills when they really land a cheer and everything is in unison and everything's sharp and they're all smiling and you can tell they're having fun. When they just, you know, ace a cheer, that is so much fun to watch. What about you, Coach Taylor? I have to agree with Coach Burns and um, I love it when our girls are all in sync and working together and having fun. And um, and it, it it does it makes it makes us feel like we have a sense of accomplishment when they are cheering on our team whether we're winning or losing and they're enthusiastic and 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 happy and having fun. Definitely, yeah, yeah, that totally makes sense. It's just like a really cool sort of satisfaction because all of your hard work has paid off. Um. So what would you say the most challenging part of coaching cheer is? I think one of the biggest, the, the most challenging part is a lot of times we have a large team and um, sometimes yeah. we, would, we would like to give a little bit more individual attention to the cheerleaders and we don't, we don't often have that opportunity. But with that challenge also comes a um, sense of accomplishment when we work so well with a large team. So, um, yeah, so that so it kind of works both ways. Yeah. And um, the hardest part, I think it actually goes along with the most satisfying part of seeing them in unison, seeing them as a team. Getting them to that unison point is really difficult, um, especially when we do have a big team of 24, 25 girls, getting them to do the same motions at the same time with the same sharpness is is really hard. Uh, but that's what it makes that's what makes it so satisfying. The result, yeah, it, it pays off. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure you all get this a ton, but how has COVID like changed the way you practice? Well, well it's really hard. I feel like I mentioned the word unison 12 times, but when you've got five girls on a computer screen learning from home, it's yeah. really hard to make sure they are in sync with the rest of the team. Um, yeah. And that's something we are currently navigating and trying to figure out. So you gotta, you know, figure out like the delay and everything. Mm -hmm. Right. And, I, oh, go ahead. 
Well, I was going to say one benefit that may come out of all this is, you know, everybody's wearing masks and I think we will be a louder team. I think you will be able to hear us from the front stands yeah. all the way to the back stands because you have to overcome this obstacle of your mask. That's a really good point. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I mean, I think I think uh, hopefully in a year or two, once this is all over, we're, we're definitely going to see that. So that I mean, that might even be just like another drill, just like, you know, put on the mask so that you can be louder. I love that idea. <laughs> exactly, Weston. That's a great idea. We do have a drill where we line up and we face each other and we just start calling off cheers and they're kind of in competition. And um, if we had our masks on, I guarantee you we would have a, a, a clear winner in our competition. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. I totally get that. So what is your favorite memory mm. of coaching? Um, I think I'm going to hop right in, but my I have lots of them. The, the girls coming back as like last week, uh, several of the girls came back as Bel Air High School cheerleaders. One of them was a cheer captain. She helped it, helped us with um, tryouts. And then I think really one of my best memory is when Coach Burns joined our team because uh, it's been a great partnership. I love working with Coach Burns and all the girls. Definitely. I, I think my favorite memory was last year at the homecoming game. We were, I think we were losing the football game and then ended up coming back and winning. And I remember the girls just like jumping up and down, literally jumping into each other's arms. They were so excited <laughs> and seeing oh, that yeah. excitement just genuinely pour out of them was really, really fun. Yeah, I bet. So what are your expectations for like this next competition? Um, how do you think y'all are going to do? Well, we don't we don't compete um, against other teams. We cheer on all of our athletic teams here at Pin Oak, and our expectation is that we um, we set great examples on the field and in the classroom. That's what we expect of our, our cheerleaders. We expect them to be leaders um, while they're cheering and also being leaders in the classroom. That's a great that, that's really well put. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just a huge morale boost to, you know, to even, you know, when you're losing or you're winning, just to know that there are people with you. I, exactly. I so um, did y'all grow, uh, grow up in Texas or like, because Texas is huge with cheerleading. Mm -hmm. Did y'all grow up here? I did, and that's why I always wanted to be a cheerleader. So I guess being a cheer sponsor is the next best thing. Yeah, totally. Well, Thank you guys so much for coming to talk to us. Thank you. Thank you, so Thank you for having us. Thank have a you. Nice day. Bye. Thank have a nice you. Day. Hello, and welcome to the Shot Clock, your NBA recap podcast segment. My name is Ryan, and I'm here with Abdul, Edward, and Ali. And this week, we're well, the NBA trade line, trade deadline. Sorry, <laughs> was just yesterday. So, I mean, we're going to be so this week we're going to be going over all the trades, who the, the winners and the losers, uh, the teams that kind of maybe should have traded a little more, try and get something started and like how these are going to impact all the teams a couple of years down the road. So I think we should start off with the um, with the Oladipo trade, Victor Oladipo from the from the Rockets going to 
to the Heat, to the Heat, to the Heat. Um, so the Heat, obviously, with their finals run last year, but they've kind of been falling a little short this year. So I think I think this is that this trade was a really good idea uh, for the Heat because they didn't really give up much. Uh, Avery Bradley, Kelly, can't pronounce his last name, uh, and just a first-round uh, draft swap rights. Like, that's not much future protection, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, Oladipo was definitely not going to re-sign with the Rockets because he was offered like a two-year, forty-three, forty-five million dollar extension. He just didn't want to be on a losing team, so we traded him to a contender. I think his two spots that he wanted to get traded to were the Knicks and the Heat, and he got traded to the Heat. But I think the Rockets didn't really get much in return. I think we could have traded him somewhere else and maybe like gotten a better package because. Kelly Olenek and Avery Bradley are just role players. I don't know like their future on the team. And a pick swap for like which doesn't really even mean much because the Heat are probably going to be good that year. The Rockets are probably going to be bad in the near future. So like, the pick doesn't really mean much. So I don't know. It's a it's a low risk. I mean, it's a low risk, low reward trade. I mean, for the Heat. I really a bad trade for the Rockets. They could have, like, given someone else and get us more Bears other players. Because Oladipo is kind of, like, one of the big focuses of the Heat's offense. It's, like, it's a big token, and, like, he wanted out, right? So they're going to they're, they're get something for him, and I just don't think that was the right move. It's, it's just kind of too mediocre at best players like for Oladipo, you know? So I, I'm not really sure about that trade. So the next big trade was Vucevic. So the so the Magic basically just blew up their team. They like traded Fournier to the um to the Celtics for two second round picks. They traded Aaron Gordon to the Nuggets. And they also traded uh, Vucevic to the Chicago Bulls to make a dynamic duo of Zach Levine and Vucevic as well. So, I don't know. I think it's a pretty good trade for the, the Bulls right now. They're the, the 10th seed, I'm pretty sure. And um, I think they're going to like have a pretty decent playoff run now. Yeah, the Magic just blew their team. That's basically their whole team surrounding... Those three players. Yeah, and they've kind of been doing this for a while, kind of restructuring over the past like five, six years, right? And it's kind of the it's kind of the good good route to take because they haven't really ever been like a crazy contender. So, I mean, I think this is good. Yeah, I think the restructuring really is good. surprising. It's not very surprising for other pen, but it's probably surprising for Magic. You're talking about the Magic, right? Yeah, the Magic fans, I think, are surprised because those are basically their whole team. The team is basically surrounded by those three guys. Other, yeah, I mean, yeah, other teams fans, except for the Magic, feel like this was going to come because they couldn't, like, yeah, I think make, the Magic. They couldn't make a playoff run. Yeah, I mean, like... They weren't good since, like, the Dwight 
Howard years when they had Dwight Howard, Jameer Nelson, and they like I think they made it to the finals. If I'm I'm pretty sure, but then like they got bounced by I don't know I think Lakers or something. But now like they hit the reset button and like the they drafted pretty bad. They picked Mo Bamba in 2018. They also picked um what's his name? They picked um this Mario Hazonia dude. So like I don't think so they tried to rebuild, but it didn't go well. And then the highest they got was like they were as a seven seed set, and maybe like hope for something good in the future, like a good pick in the draft. Yeah, they just need like a good superstar that could lead the team, and then like start rebuilding again a little bit but a little bit take their time didn't blake griffin get traded or was that like something else yeah blake griffin traded that was a little while back he went to the nets right yeah he finally um, make his first dunk. He got traded to the Nets. Yeah, he finally made a dunk in his debut. Yeah, his first dunk since like 2019, and that's kind of why Blake Griffin was good, is because of his athleticism. And like, I get that being unmotivated on the Pistons, like, like that's understandable, not wanting to play there. <laughs> so it's it's good to kind of see him grow yeah, and some, be a better player. Some people think that he was doing that on purpose, like to trick people that he was trying his best, like, and he didn't like there, but he wasn't trying his best. He was doing that so he could get traded. He only like shot jump shot. He didn't go to the paint that much, like when he got to the Pistons. Yeah, so other trades, like the Celtics, I mean, did a little bit of moving, but like Danny Ainge doesn't really like trading and doing all these big shifts in his team, and the, and the Celtics are in a good spot right now. So I don't really think they needed much restructuring. Good to kind of just hold on to the young stars that they have and kind of help them grow, build a team around them. Yeah, I would never thought the Celtics would be this good. Like with young players, they don't like have it superstar that is like a veteran that has the experience they have a pretty much young team and the superstars are pretty much young too if you look yeah. at the team like uh, a few three years ago would you think they would be that good right now they're like pretty much all young superstars yeah but like back to what I was saying about the Nuggets and like the Aaron Gordon trade. I mean, like, so they made a great playoff run with like this team that they have. But they also like had Jeremy Grant, who's like a very versatile player on offense and defense. He could guard like bigger players and also guard a little bit on the perimeter. And on offense, he can like hit threes and stuff like that. 
So with him signing on the Pistons and having a breakout year, they're sort of missing his presence. I don't think they're doing that well in the standings. But now with Aaron Gordon, I think he can fill that void. And he's, like, very athletic. So I think with, like, Aaron Gordon in the right situation, I, I think he has more potential here than he had uh, in Orlando. Yeah, yeah, because the Nuggets, they're, they're a contender. The Nuggets are definitely a contender. Not a great chance, but, like, they could definitely go far. And kind of getting Aaron Gordon, doing a little bit of shifting, trying to get into that position where they, they were so close last year, trying to just push a little further. It's a good idea. It's a good idea. But do yeah. they really need Aaron Gordon? I don't know if it, I don't know. It might be a book. I don't know if it's the best fit. I think I think they it'll help him a lot because he's a, just a talented player in a bad situation in Orlando. But I think he'd like probably play power forward, and they'd either move Paul Millsap to the bench or to the small forward position. So I think he complements Jokic very well, and um, also like a big um, a big move like maybe not actually not a move was everybody was thinking that Kyle Lowry would get traded to a contender like the Clippers, 76ers, or the Lakers, but like they decided not to, nobody decided to trade for him, and he's staying in Toronto. I mean, Kyle Lowry, is, I think, is pretty much happy. He don't need to do that much. He have had a championship, so he, I think he doesn't really care. He would like another championship, but if he doesn't get it, I think he he won't mind. Yeah, I think he's happy in the city of Toronto. I mean, I think he's like the like the most like impactful Raptors player ever because he's basically spent their like entire career there, and like he helped them win a championship, the first championship in franchise history. So I think he's happy with being a Raptor. And maybe getting moved later, or like maybe signing somewhere else and start ring chasing when he becomes a free agent. Or he could like retire because he's old, pretty much old. He's a veteran already. Yeah. Okay, so if there's no other trades y'all want to go over, I think we're going to end the segment here. Uh, thank you for listening. Um, see you guys next week. Bye. Welcome to the Global Homo Soccer. Today we're going to be talking about um, a lot of different games, and one of them is um, Toluca against Puebla. The game was a very good game from both Toluca and Puebla. Toluca had four goals, so did Puebla, which led them to a tie. Um, Toluca had scored Michael Estrada from Toluca had scored two goals, one of them in the 33rd minute and the other one in the 88th. And the second one to score for Toluca after the third third minute, after Michael was Alexis, was in the 54th minute. Then it was Diego in the 78th minute, and the last goal was again by Michael Estrada in the 88th. So, and for Puebla's team, uh, the first goal was in the 52 minute, which was by Emmanuel, and the third goal was in the uh, 58 minute, 
which was literally six minutes right after Manuel scored. Santiago Omeño scored. And then after that, Juan Segovia had scored in the 61 minute. So literally, the goals were back to back. Because then it was, first it was 52, second was 58, and after 58, three minutes after that, they scored again. All right, and then after the 61 minute, they scored in the 87 minute, Daniel Aguilar scored. And then in the 98th minute, which was the last goal, in the last minute, uh, Daniel Alvarez has scored. So it was a very good game. Um, definitely Toluca had a good start because they had scored first. We lead, led them to a first lead. But the game was kind of back-to-back. Um, Puebla had a lot of shots in that game. I definitely feel like their shots were um, outnumbered against Toluca. Definitely, but both teams, in my opinion, played very good. I never saw one team that I thought, oh, this team didn't didn't play good today, because both of them, in my opinion, played good. There was one yellow card though by Manuel Guarte. He was pretty mad about it. Um, and yeah, this this tie put um Toluca in fifth place, and Puebla in seventh. Um. And right now, the top of the leaderboard in La Liga Mekis is Cruz Azul. And if Toluca wants to get up there, they need to win their next game, which will put them on top of um, Monterrey, which would be fourth place, which would be pretty good. But if Puebla wants to get higher too, they would probably have to win their next game, which will lead them in sixth place instead of seventh place, which is also pretty good. Yeah, that's it for me, and I'll pass it down. I'll be talking about <clears throat> I'll be talking about Belgium versus Wales. This is a FIFA World Cup qualifying game, so this was a important game for both uh both teams. Uh, we we see uh. A good lineup from Belgium, which I see uh like really good uh really good players that Belgium has. Uh like some of them are like uh Lukaku, uh Kevin De Bruyne. Uh we they also have Eden Hazard, but I believe I believe he didn't play this game. I'm not sure why, but he didn't play play uh start on start this game but there was a different hazard his name was Torgan Hazard and he did a score. Uh so I think that's like students they have the same last name which is really cool. Uh but I think this was a three one uh victory going towards Belgium. I think they both did great however I think uh, uh Belgium has way uh more potential than uh than Wales, but also on the other hand, we have uh, uh, from Wales, we have like a great forward, uh, his name is uh, Garrett Bell, which is, I think he's like a uh, really good uh, forward. We see him uh, playing um, with Tottenham. He's done really, uh, really good on, in his past games with Tottenham, 
but um, maybe I, th- I don't. I think I don't know if it's like I think he's maybe not used to playing with like all his team, and they had to play. I'm pretty sure they had enough practice, but however, still like not enough. Maybe they could have done a friendly, but we do see uh they're going a friendly uh against Mexico on the twenty seventh, so that should be pretty interesting, and that will be on Saturday this week. I also think uh, Belgium had a kind of an upper hand due to like the good players they have. That's like many uh, good European and Cordes, not to mention he's a, a really good goalkeeper. I think that really good. And then, okay, we saw at Kevin De Bruyne scored at the 22 minute. Uh, I said that was a pretty good goal. However, um, we did see then after couple of minutes after we saw Torgan Hazard score, which was made at um, have uh, the lead over over Wells. Wells scored at the 10 minutes. So they were winning 1-0. Then we got to uh, see a draw. Then uh, Hazard scored a goal and one. Uh, they uh, took the lead. Then we saw at the second half, we just saw Lukaku. Uh, fa- they foul inside. Wolf fouled the uh, Belgium inside the box, so we saw that uh, they had a penalty. We saw Lukaku uh, score, so that was yeah, that was a really good game. I think uh, both teams did great. However, I think Belgium has more potential than uh, well due to the players, player uh player stats or like the the team stats. According, um, but I think Belgium had like more possession of the ball. Because most of the time you see like them passing it through midfield and then and then you know taking control over trying to move over the, towards the scoring the goal. I think both teams are great, but Belgium is I think it's one of the good teams that we're gonna see during the World Cup. Uh, that's why I would uh, I would think they've uh, done really good before where most of the World Cups in the past, but I think this might be like a one of their best World Cup we've seen yet. So I hope uh, they do good, I guess. And uh, for Wales, uh, I don't think they're a bad team necessarily, but, you know, they could um, have, like, better uh, stuff to improve. We've seen them, you know, they could do good against one team, but then they could do bad against another. So it's just, like, really a 50-50 most of the time for me if they do good or bad. But I think that's all for me. And yeah, I'll pass it down now to Brandon. Okay, hey, I'm Brandon and I'm going Manchester United versus Manchester City. The interesting part about this battle is, or soccer game is, Manchester United is like first place in the English Premier team and Manchester City second place. So it's like first versus second. And uh, straight off of the bat, just two minutes after the game starts, Bruno Fernando scores the first goal for Manchester United. And I don't think Manchester United, like, they, their teamwork is pretty good. Like, like, one of them passes the ball, the other one just goes straight forward, sends a goal. And right at the 15 minute, Luke Sean scores another goal for Manchester United again. And, like, like they pass the ball. Like they also have a really good goalie that would block the ball. 
like Manchester City didn't really have a, that much pass accuracy nor possession. They had 34% possession. Hello, welcome back to Hoops and Hits. I'm joined by Charles Graff and Brayden Blackburn. I'm Weston Benner, and we have some exciting games to cover. Okay. So I think we're going to start off with some uh, round of 64 upsets starting in the West. So I think the major one there was Virginia losing to Ohio. I mean, what are your thoughts on that game? I think that was predicted. I think that was predicted because Virginia was coming off a COVID pause. They only had one practice, but during that practice, they had to like, they couldn't practice normally. So I think that was a little predicted just because of, what Virginia's condition was in. Okay. Yeah, I mean I, the na- the defending uh, national champions from 2019. You know, people a lot of people thought they could go really far this year, but that just wasn't the case for them. Nope. No. And uh, Oregon VCU, like Oregon, kind of got that automatic pass. But what, what are your I thoughts? Just, I just feel really bad for like the VCU, the yeah. VCU players and coaches because they worked really hard for all of this, but they. End up they just even get a even, yeah, they can't even play. So um, I feel really bad for them, but also yeah. you just got to follow guidelines or else you can't play games. Exactly. Now, uh, in the South, we have, I mean, probably the biggest upset, uh, Ohio State losing to Oral Roberts. I mean, yep. that completely destroyed everyone's brackets. Yeah, no, no one, one ever saw a 15 seed beating a two seed. But it, you know, out uh, of all the two seeds – Iowa, Houston, Alabama, and Ohio State. If any of them were to lose, I would have picked Ohio State to lose. Just because they're the worst out of those four, but they're still a good team. Don't get me wrong. Ohio State had a really good run in the Big Ten Championship is why. That is true. And then uh, Purdue losing to North Texas, I think, was another one that completely – Yeah, I I never saw that coming. I thought Purdue had that in the bag. It went to overtime. Once it went to overtime, I thought, oh, maybe Purdue can um, – I think Purdue will pull away with it a little. But North Texas ended up winning by nine in overtime. So, that's, that's – oh, man, yeah. I really thought also, Purdue was one of those teams that could make a run, maybe like a Sweet 16 or even an Elite 8 team. Even – yeah, um, two years ago when they uh, played Virginia, they almost won. They should have won that game. But um, Virginia yeah. somehow won that game. But, yeah, Purdue – They've gotten unlucky a lot. Definitely. And then you have North Carolina, Wisconsin now. Though that was an evenly matched team. I mean, Wisconsin, they just they just trounced North Carolina. I mean, that was even close. They got depth. I thought North, North Carolina, Carolina would win because I just thought – because North Carolina experienced coach, obviously, but they end up losing by 23. Like, Yeah, definitely. If anything, right. at least keep it a close game. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then moving on to the East. East was pretty standard. Um, the BYU UCLA, I mean, I guess it's just the Pac-12 because it's got talent. Yeah, I, don't I, think- I predicted UCLA or Michigan State, whoever it was going to be. I knew they would win, but I just Definitely. Was, and then, I just didn't uh, think BYU was that good of a team. I mean, the UConn-Maryland, I don't know. I picked UConn because Dude, UConn they've was been hard. so dominant in recent years, but also Maryland is great. I think the only big one there was just uh, Texas – Abilene Christian. Yeah. I think you have to look at the Colorado Georgetown one because a lot of people pick Georgetown after winning the Big East. 
and Colorado just whooped them. Yeah, I picked Georgetown because of their experience. They have Patrick Ewing as their coach. I mean, I picked them because they were. I picked they them because gone. they were riding hot after winning the. B- yeah, they B- won the Big East, one of the best conferences in the entire um, nation, but they lose by twenty three. Like, I'll be honest, I in your conference, and then you lose by twenty three. Like, at least make it to the round of thirty two, or you're supposed to go farther than just losing the first round. Yeah, and then but uh, the Texas Abilene Christian one. I yeah, mean, those lead changes. Something I don't want to talk changes. about. And we were talking about it earlier. We think what it came down to was just the turnovers because Texas made a lot more shots. I mean, Texas out—they out-blocked them. They out-stealed them. Out-rebounded. No. And then with the turnovers, we just couldn't catch a break. Oh yeah, definitely. And then you have uh, in the Midwest. I think. Some of the upsets were the San Diego Syracuse and the Tennessee Oregon State. Yeah, I didn't see Syracuse as a big upset because, you know, Jim Boheim, experienced coach. Um, I did have them beating San Diego State and West Virginia, but when you look yeah, at Syracuse, you just look – I don't know. They, they have experience. They made the final – San Diego State is Under good. the same coach, they made the final four like four coach or five years ago. is his best player. Oh, yeah, they had the yeah, coach's son. I forgot his name. It was something Boheim. But he's the best player, Buddy Boheim. Yeah, Buddy yeah. Boheim. Um, he definitely carried them and helped them. He was the big. He was the biggest reason why they beat West Virginia last night or two nights ago. But San Diego State, that's, I had San Diego State winning because they've been so good. But I think the even bigger upset was uh, Tennessee losing to Oregon State, another Pac-12 magic win. Oh, yeah, Tennessee, you know, they had a good start, but then they've, ever since that loss to, I forgot who it was, it was either Arkansas or Alabama. Ever since that loss, they went down the hill lately. I think it was Alabama, yeah. They went down the hill, and they couldn't, like, they couldn't beat anyone good. So, you know, I then, I did have Oregon State winning that game, but still. Yeah, I mean, and then they go on and beat Oklahoma State. So, with Cade Cunningham and that entire uh, supporting cast of him, I thought Oregon State would, I had them in the final four, honestly. I mean, but obviously, Oklahoma no one's State, very good. So they kind of lobbied to get them in. But moving on to the round of 32, I mean, I'm happy that Creighton's doing well because that's like the Warren Buffett challenge. And, you know, he gives a lot of money if they win. So that's good. I think some of the upsets in the Sweet 16, they were uh, USC, or the, yeah. USC, USC, Kansas. I think everyone knew that USC was good, but. Kansas like 34. Oregon, Iowa. Oh, the Oregon, Iowa, yeah. I mean, everyone that was like, oh, Luca Garza is going to do great. I mean, I think he did he do did great. He did great, but, but no one else, he had no team. one to help him. Yeah, so there was Pac-12 moving up, and then on the south side, uh, Texas Tech, Arkansas. I think that was the big one. Oh, sorry, sorry, I'm forgetting Oral Roberts. I mean, there's only yeah. been... There's only been one other time when a 15 team has advanced to the Sweet 16, and Oral Roberts has just been playing on another level. I mean, and speaking of Oral Roberts, for this year, two seats are like they have only have eight wins in history against fifth, uh, or 15 seats only have eight wins in history against two seeds. So and then they normally lose in yeah, the round two. One of them, including um, the Lehigh Duke from like 10 years ago. Um, yeah, yeah. I think Texas that Lehigh team was led by like CJ McCollum and 
some other people, but still, uh, two seeds losing to 15 seeds, that doesn't happen that often. Yeah, and you have Texas Tech-Arkansas. That was a really good entertaining game to watch. I, yeah, I, I mean, Texas Tech beat the game two years ago, you know. Made the Final Four a couple of years ago, so. I just, I never knew, I never saw an SEC team for basketball going this far. I mean, Alabama, Alabama's extremely good. Yeah, Alabama's, Alabama's by far the best team in the SEC for basketball, but I just, Definitely. I don't know, if they, if they were to play, um, they would play Arkansas, I, Alabama would by far win that game, though. Yeah. And They're more talented. Not really that many in the uh, the 32 round. Those are pretty. I mean, like, you got so Michigan so beating LSU, Florida State taking care of business versus Colorado. You do have UCLA, and then you have Alabama winning, so no huge upsets. The UCLA, Evelyn Christian was pretty cool because those were some uh, initially poorly ranked teams, but UCLA's doing great. I think in the Midwest is where you had most of your – And look there's a chance that UCLA could upset Alabama. You never know. Yeah, I'll go there play against BYU. Same with against Abilene Christian. So Definitely. They have a chance. I, I don't think it will happen, but you don't. Yeah. You never know what's going to happen. But then the Illinois-Loyola, like that game, Loyola – I mean, they're both from okay. Illinois. They're both – everyone wanted that game to be later on in like the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight. But it was a round of 32. Loyola, the heavy underdog. Many people were saying Illinois could take home the champ. But, or take home the champion. Yeah, because look at so Illinois. They're, this, they're game was not fair. Teams. this game was not fair to Illinois or Loyola. Loyola was a top 10 team in Ken Palm rankings. They should have not got a 8 seed. It's not fair That's for true. Illinois to play a top 10 team in Ken Palm. In the round of 32, that's just not fair to Illinois. Or it's not as fair to Loyola. Like, no one saw Loyola, like, how good they would be in the season. Like, but I think we all had that feeling from three years ago of how good they were. But, like, yeah, like they, it's not like they show how good they are in the season. It, they're yeah. built for the tournament. Yeah, I think that, uh, I don't know, the Illinois, uh, Loyola, that, I think Loyola could make it to the Final Four. I don't know. But the other couple big games there were first Oregon State obliterating Oklahoma State. I mean, Oklahoma State, you have Cade Cunningham. Everyone thought they'd make it to the Final Four, but and again, you have a 12 seed from Pac-12 just completely. Oregon coming. State has a funny story. They were predicted to finish dead last in the Pac-12. And then they win the Pac-12 as their only hope. They knock off Tennessee, a team with extremely a yeah. bunch of talented players. Then they go and knock off Oklahoma State with the number one overall pick projected. Definitely. So now you have eight, eight versus 12, and that's going to be an entertaining game to watch. And then yeah, the other but thing, I think Loyola Chicago will win that game oh, just because how how good they are in the tournament. They're so I think tough. Oregon State's run will end in the Sweet 16. Definitely. Still, it's great that they got this far. But in the Midwest, the Syracuse-West Virginia, like, Although Syracuse was really dominant versus San Diego State, West Virginia, I feel like, was a little bit overranked, but they were still really good, and that was a close game. But Syracuse just played a little bit better. I think the last really entertaining game to watch was the Rutgers-Houston one. I think oh, yeah, Houston Rutgers was down had, by, like, 
Houston was Double down by nine, four minutes left. I think, I don't know. Like Rutgers, did they just had a collapse at the end? You know, they, they had the game so at the beginning. They end up losing by three. Houston, they're like number two seed. They're probably like the their top. They're by far top ten team in the nation. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, were, Rutgers just collapsed. Rutgers was better than them the whole game except for four minutes and the the last four minutes of the game. It it was absolutely crazy. But, I mean, that's like about 12 minutes. We've covered this. I think we do one last oh, wait. thing. Do y'all want to go over our Elite Eight predictions real quick? Okay, just Elite Eight. Oh, yeah, definitely. Real, real okay, I got Gonzaga moving on yep. to the Elite Eight. And then I got USC upsetting Oregon. Then I got Florida State upsetting Michigan. Then I have Alabama. Then on the South, I have Baylor, what's it called, Arkansas. Then I got Loyola, Houston. Yeah, okay. I think I, I want Oral Roberts to beat Arkansas, but I don't know if that that's going to happen. That's going to about do it for us. Um, thank you so much for watching. It's a very fascinating moment in this season, so make sure to watch. Thank you so much, and goodbye. My name is Ethan, and my name is Jace, and we are the Lunch Rose, and today we'll be talking about sports news. So first, um, I'm not going over this, but J.J. Watt was traded, so, you know, like the Texans, they lost DeAndre Hopkins yeah. a year or two ago, and um, Deshaun yeah. Watson, now J.J. Watt, so... You know, I don't think it'd be any good for a couple or a long time. Because they lost their, like, three best players. So. Mm-hmm. And that kind of is bad. So, I think, like, I think Arizona is going to do good this um, season. Because they have yeah. um, Hopkins and JoJo Watt, so. Yeah. And both of them have already worked together, so they're, I mean, I guess it's better. Yeah. They'll work well. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I think they're going to do good this season. Um, Tom Brady's yeah. going to stay in probably like a year or two more because he's old, like he's like 40 or something. So he'll be retiring soon, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. Nothing's been happening. Yeah. So for the Texans, I feel like it's gonna be a lot different. And also, since like the stuff with um, I think it was Watson. So it's kind of like slowing down for them. And so while the other players went there, it's kind of like you're going to focus on them more um, since they've, like, moved to another team. And some people, like, the fans of one of the players, they may follow J.J. Watts, so they'll see his progress with them. Yeah, yeah. And for, like, um, baseball, nothing's much been happening, like, because the Astros, they lost, they lost um, Springer, but spring training. And the season's about to start too, so I mean, I think they'll 
like trying to wonder who's gonna take Springer's spot in center field, so I don't really know. Yeah, I'm not sure either who could take the spot. But, I mean, like, whoever it is, I guess, will be a good asset to the team. And we'll just have to see yeah, how they work. pretty important, too. Yeah, but Springer was a good hitter last season, too. I mean, I was to Brantley because he was probably, like, the second best hitter other than Springer last season, but. Unlike the Texans, we only yeah. traded one for or traded one person. So, I mean, the Astros aren't doing the worst. They can make the um playoffs or yeah. Yeah, I feel like they um they'll do good. I mean, all Houston teams. They're all, like, different in the way they play. Like, not with just the different sports, but mm-hmm. also, like, how the players. So, we'll see, like, within each sport how it how it goes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, the Texans, they're not going to be doing good, though. They lost their best players. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think they're going to do they, that well. Yeah. Hopefully someone good takes their spots, so. Yeah, hopefully, so that it can be like kind of like it was worth the trade, and feel like, oh, I feel like we have a chance of doing good this year. Or you. JJ Wall was like, yeah, everyone knew who he was. Like he was the best person in the Texans, so I don't know why he would be trading. I, I thought he liked the Texans, too. So. Yeah, I did also. I feel like it was just kind of, like, unexpected. Like, it just came out of nowhere. For me, I don't know. Yeah. And, like, I feel like it's, like, a pattern. Like, there's a lot of Houston sports teams, and, like, a lot of people are just leaving. But, like, it's also not just because they're leaving. They just want a new new um, experience and a different so I feel like I mean, uh-huh. yeah. So I feel like it's fine, but it's different. So we're just gonna have to um, keep up with that and see how everything changes and how it goes. Mm-hmm. But I think that's I think that's all mm-hmm. for today. I think that's all. Okay. Um, I think we have a couple more minutes to do, but so for um, baseball team, nothing's much either way. But I mean, I guess, yeah, I guess we should wrap it up here. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Here we are in another week of your weekly sports news. For our first subject, we're going to be covering football and then moving on to basketball and any other sports that might pop up along the way. Okay, so what we're going to talk about regarding the NFL is all the free agent signings and trades. So some of the notable signings so far have been 
<clears throat> Keanu Neal, formerly of the Falcons signing with the Cowboys, strong safety. I think this is a good move considering Dallas's secondary was horrible. Definitely. The coverage in general, he can play both uh, safety and linebacker, which is very useful. Mm-hmm. So that was a good move by the Cowboys. Only a one-year deal. Oh. Next one is the biggest the biggest signing so far. Kenny Galladay signed with the Giants. Four years, $72 million. I think they overpaid a little bit, but I think it's yeah. good by them to get another good one. Or not another one, just a good wide receiver because they don't have it. Next is Kenyon or what? Kenyon Drake also. Yeah. But here you can go. Kyle Fuller signed with the Broncos, the cornerback. One year, nine point five million. Yeah. They can pair him with uh, Justin Simmons in the secondary. That should be good. Las Vegas signed Kenyon Drake to a two-year, fourteen point five million deal. He's probably um, gonna be like their goal line back and second back because they already have Josh Jacobs. Tom Pellicero reporting the deal is for eleven million dollars, but people can push it up to the fourteen point five million. I think that is a a bad deal by um, Las Vegas. Definitely running back and they're just overpaying some guy who's not good at all. I've seen Kenny Jacobs. Okay, Xavier Rhodes signs back with Indianapolis, cornerback. And the Jets signed D-tackle Sheldon Rankins for two years, $17 million. Okay. Not sure how I feel about that. I think the Jets, their their best feature of the team is now their D-line. So that's interesting. The Texans signed cornerbacks Desmond King and Vernon Hargreaves. And hopefully this helps because last year, we all know the Texans secondary was horrible. Their defense was horrible. Hopefully these guys can help out. And both of them, they're not that good, but they could be all right. Okay. Texans Dante Moncrief in place of Will Fuller, who they traded to the Dolphins, which is interesting. Very. What do you think of the Will Fuller to the Dolphins? I think that Texans could have kept them, but I kind of get it. I think that um, people project the Dolphins to take a wide receiver. They have Will Fuller. They have Devontae Parker. I think that if Tua can't have a decent season, then he's a bust. That's my opinion. Because they're getting all, they have a good defense, good O line, and now they're going to have really good wide receivers. But the Dolphins mm-hmm. definitely a contender for um, Super Bowl as long as Tua can play pretty good. Yeah. And then the last ones are the Chiefs signed O-lineman 
Joe Thune, which is um, should help. We've seen how they can get destroyed, and Patrick Mahomes can be under a lot of pressure. And then they also signed Kyle Law. So, yeah, that's all for We're now next, next up, March Madness. So, it was an interesting weekend. Lots of upsets. So we're gonna talk Tons. we're gonna talk about some of the most interesting games. And, and so right now is it Michigan against Alabama? Here. Against Baylor, against Arkansas, against Loyola. Against Oregon, against Houston, against Syracuse, against Creighton, against Gonzaga. Okay, yeah. There's a okay, lot of so teams. We're going to start off talking about one of the most interesting games, Loyola-Chicago v. Illinois. <clears throat> Loyola's the eighth seed. Illinois is the one seed. I watched the whole game, and it was very entertaining. They have that old nun that just sits on the side. That yeah. Was, she had a mask like over her whole face. It was hilarious. And then they have a big white guy center named Crutwig. They're just a funny team. Like. Next, the next upset that's interesting is Syracuse beating West Virginia. Syracuse is the 11 seed. West Virginia was a three seed. All right. And Oral Roberts, 15 seed, beats Florida, 7 seed. And Oregon State beat Oklahoma State. So that was a lot of the interesting stuff. Let's move on to Monday. Is that on Sunday? Monday, I know LSU lost. I had them winning the in my bracket, so you know, not very cool. USC beat Kansas, and Oregon beat Iowa. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Let's move on to the next. The weekend's matchups. We have Oregon State versus Loyola Chicago, Villanova versus Baylor, Oral Roberts versus Arkansas, and Syracuse versus Houston. Hmm. My predictions I think that Loyola will beat Oregon State. I think that Baylor will beat Villanova. I think that Arkansas will beat Oral Roberts. And that Houston will beat Syracuse. Okay. All right. The next up is Gonzaga, the best team in the tournament against Creighton. I think they're going to win. Michigan versus Florida State. I hope Michigan loses because I don't know. Alabama versus UCLA and USC versus Oregon. Uh, I think Oregon's going to win. They have cooler jerseys. Yeah. That's all the games that are coming up. So, yeah. 
All right. And I think that this wraps up our weekly sports news. Thank you for listening. And have a good day. Welcome to our NBA podcast. In this podcast, we'll talk about the Knicks and Sixers, 76ers game. Tobias Harris had 20 points, 4 rebounds, and 4 assists. Jake Milton had 21 points, uh, 3 rebounds, and 3 assists. Ben Simmons had 16 points, 8 rebounds, and 4 assists. Forking Korkmaz had 12 points and 1 assist. Danny Green had 11 points, 3 rebounds, and 1 assist. Joel B did not play for the 76ers in this game, but his knee injury. Julius Randle had 24 points, 7 rebounds, and 3 assists. Alec Burks had 20 points, 6 rebounds, and 4 assists. RJ Barrett had 19 points, 8 rebounds, and 4 assists. Nerlens Noel had 13 points and 10 rebounds. Emmanuel quickly had 10 points and 3 rebounds. This game never got away from the other team. It stayed competitive. This game even went into over This game even went into overtime and only one team could win. The 76ers were able to win 101 to 100. The 76ers also didn't have Seth Curry. The 76ers record after this game is 30 and 13. The next record after this game was 21 to 22. What do you think about the trade rumors in the Rockets? I think that they're, uh, I think that some of them should actually happen, actually. Yeah, like the Oladipo one, because I think there's going to be like a little trade triangle between the Rockets and the Raptors and the, and the Magic. Do you think that Because I think Kyle it would, we could maybe be a, um, maybe, yeah, probably he's going to be traded. There's also um, a thing, a rumor that I'll be I think that Kyle Lowry should be traded uh, to the probably the probably the Sixers, and they should like use him until Seth Curry comes back. Yeah, that's true. I mean, Seth Curry's kind of just having a season, so they probably won't like replace him, but. I don't know. I feel like Kyle Rowley would be pretty good on, like, maybe the Celtics or the, I don't know.
I think that he would be pretty good for the. It would be cool if he went on the Bucks. Yeah, he could also yeah, be the Bucks point guard. Yeah. With Giannis. Thank you for listening to our Western NBA podcast. Hello, I'm Leo Frita, and today I'm here, and I'm here with Christian uh, Christian Alvarez, and we have a lot to talk about today because we have Champions League. So the round 16 of the Champions League has ended. We are moving into the round of eight, the round of eight, which is getting big because the Champions League is, is coming soon. Barcelona, Juventus, uh, we're both. I just lost if you didn't hear already, but I because these are the teams with Messi and Ronaldo. And you expect much more from them. And and then and then we had Real Madrid beat Atalanta. They have qualified. Then we have Bayern Munich qualify, Chelsea qualify, Man City qualify, and Liverpool. Will qualify. Now there's some new mat- matchups. There is Liverpool versus Real Madrid, PSG versus Byron, and Chelsea versus Man City. Now I'm excited to see PSG versus Byron. Okay, so also in the quarterfinals. I'm also very excited, like Lear said, about Bayern versus PSG, which are all the games are coming up next week. And another great match would be the Man City versus Dortmund. People say that Porto versus Chelsea would be like the most boring one, but they're They've proved themselves to be two of the greatest teams to come up in the quarterfinals, and we'll see who who's going to make it out to the semifinals. My predictions are like for Real Madrid versus Liverpool would be like Real Madrid, Bayern versus PSG. They're They've gone up against each other in the last Champions League finals. And Bayern came up winning 1-0. Manchester City and Dortmund, it's also two great teams. But I think Man City would win. Porto versus Chelsea. I think Chelsea has... The better midfield and strikers. They proved themselves against Atletico Madrid in the round of 16. So, yeah. All right. Anyways, <clears throat> we had a we had a player today a few days ago actually faint. He had a low his blood pressure went down. He fainted during practice. I think it's Zembele, and he plays in Atlantico Madrid. He was he was rushed to the hospital. Uh,
of course, it was a stretching in practice. So yeah, as Lira was saying, Dembélé from Atlético Madrid painted during the their training. All their teammates are really worried because he's a good player for Atlético Madrid, and hope he gets a quick recovery to play against his next La Liga game. And yeah. Anyways, I'm pretty sure he checked out of the hospital today. But we also have some big things with the transfer market. Um, now the new president of Barcelona is traveling Holland. Uh, that's who he wants. If if Messi doesn't sign a new contract, but the question is, will they even be able to afford it? Because they they have to pay Dortmund. Uh, Holland. This is the soccer champions, and we're out. That's the show for this week. Have a good three-day weekend. We'll see you back in a couple weeks for another episode of One Hour School Wide.